I'm afraid. Don't be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Hello, horror fans. Welcome to Be Afraid, the horror podcast hosted by Steve and Steve. You can find us on Instagram at Be Afraid Horror Podcast. Recently, we've been uh, discussing that we were going to be going into our Halloween season. Uh, we'll be doing all of our Halloween films leading up to Halloween Ends, which comes out October 14th. So today, we'll be starting off with the original John Carpenter's Halloween. Plot centers on a mental patient, Michael Myers, who was committed to a sanitarium for murdering his babysitting teenage sister on Halloween night when he was six years old. Now, 15 years later, he escapes and returns to his hometown where he stalks a female babysitter and her friends while under pursuit by his psychiatrist. This movie um, came out in 1978 and it was directed by John Carpenter and produced by Deborah Hill. And also it starred Donald Pleasance and Jamie Lee Curtis. This movie is kind of like, a, I want to say, it's, it's one of our top two horror movies of all time. Um, we put Scream up there with it. Scream is Scream has taken a lot from Halloween. We'll talk about the rules in Scream 2, which mainly came from Halloween. And just like Halloween, you could say, is the son of Psycho. And all three of those movies are amazing. And again, Donald Pleasance actually plays Dr. Sam Loomis, who is named after the character from Psycho, Sam Loomis. Uh, Steve, first off, I always get confused. What, what do you like more, this or Scream? Um, that's an excellent question because it really depends on how I'm feeling or like when you ask me. But um, Scream and Halloween, just like you, it, those are my top two horror movies uh, ever. Not, not one of them. Those are the top two. Um, and from my favorite movies of all time, which um, I try not to put all horror movies. I, I try to like, like I have a mental list and I always put Halloween in there. Halloween or Scream depends once again on when, when you ask me. Yeah, no, I feel like Halloween, again, is... It, I, I always... Halloween always gets compared to, I want to say... It, they're like the holy trinity of 80s slasher movies. It, it gets compared to Nightmare on Elm Street. And it gets compared to Friday the 13th. And the reason... I, I used to love all those movies. I still like Nightmare on Elm Street. Friday the 13th, I find a little bit more difficult to watch now. Um, in fact, I think Friday the 13th somewhat... Um, it brought down the Halloween movies a little bit because it's kind of like, uh, I want to say it's like when the Simpsons kind of went downhill because they had to compete with South Park. And it's the same thing where Halloween kind of went downhill a little bit because they had to compete with the gore and the blood and everything from Friday the 13th. Which again, like originally wasn't that, that wasn't what made Halloween the original movie scary. Like there wasn't much blood or gore and anything. And again, it's kind of like, it's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where you go in there, and again, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is not a bloody movie, but you go in there thinking it is because you're going to watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So it's the same thing with Halloween. Like, there's a slasher film coming out. You think it's to be bloody, but it's not. But when the rest of the Holy Trinity came out, the Horror Trinity, the uh, Nightmare, and Friday, they had to add all that blood and gore just to kind of keep up with it. But, uh... So, but I always thought of Halloween, even the sequels, even though I just knocked them a little bit, like adding all that stuff into it, Halloween has always been my favorite franchise um, as a whole. 
I, I I'll say we will we will be doing Halloween eight unfortunately uh, later on, but like um, Halloween eight, it'll be fun to knock it a little bit. But that I think that's a terrible movie. But other than that, I at least enjoy every movie in the franchise. Yeah, um, I, I disagree, as you know, and you had the same opinion uh, as I do about Halloween. How um, the, I like the first one so much that the other ones, um, I just can't stand them. That's how you are with Scream, that you like Scream 1 and 2 so much. Um, you don't even like 3, 4, and 5 um, at all, I, I think, right? You don't like you don't like any of the Scream movies other than 1 and 2. Um, I'll watch them. I'll sit there and I'll watch Scream. I, I guess, like, um, I feel like Scream 4 is very similar to Scream 1. I feel like Scream 4 is kind of like a remake of Scream 1 a little bit. It's kind of like Halloween 4 and Halloween and Halloween 1. But I don't think it's as well done as Halloween 4. And it's it's one of those things where they're like, oh, we're going to remake Scream, but we're going to add more technology and stuff into it. Like like the kids are going to be using, um, they're going to be using walkie, uh, not, not walkie-talkies, like headsets and stuff like that. And they're just going to add newer technology and things into it. Which, again, like, that wasn't the reason why I didn't like it. I just thought that the characters in Scream 4, I can't remember them that well because they weren't very memorable to me. Um, I, I, only one I can really remember is, what's his name? Um, not Macaulay Culkin. Is it Kieran Culkin? Yeah. I think it's Kieran Culkin. Yeah, it was Kieran. yeah, yeah. So he's the only one that, like, really stood out to me. But other than that, like, the, the, they were all just, like, Names on paper. I don't know. Yeah, when I think of the Halloween, um, the whole franchise, that it's actually um, when I think of like movies that that just went on too long and like ran its course, um, or like you know just strive way too far from um, uh, from what it originally what it originally made it uh, good for. So um, other series that come to mind is like the Hellraiser series, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Also, you know, after a while, some of them went to shit uh, before they they bounced back with um, New Nightmare. But uh, if, if I was to say what my favorite franchise is, um, it'd probably be Scream, but even more than Scream, um, Child's Play, because Child's Play um, 1, 2, and 3, I think, are amazing, and I even do like Fried of Chucky, but, um, and I don't count the, the newer ones, but from, from like, the, the big known uh, franchises of slashers, uh, my favorite is Chucky, then Scream. And then I'd probably put Freddy and, and last Halloween, and, which is crazy because well, you're about to hear me talk about how much I love Halloween 1, but the whole series um, I'm not a fan of. Well, I feel like Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a very underrated series, too. So, I'm not, well, some of the movies are, God, right, like, like awful, but, like, um, but I still enjoy them. But you were talking about Child's Play. The only Child's Play movie that I hate is Tita Chucky. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> horrible. But, like, um, yeah, no, it's a horrible movie, but, like, you're at Child's Play three gets knocked a lot, but I was talking to my brother, my brother the other day, and I both of us really like Child's Play three. And I, I don't know if I mentioned this on the last episode, but you put Chucky in military school, it's just it's it's a fun movie. Hell yeah! And then uh, again, greatest line in that movie: Chucky gonna be a bro. But um, <laughs> and then, and then, the then like, and then that that setting and the carnival at the end and and the um, the haunted um, the ride like that's just perfect set piece for a Chucky movie. Yeah, it's 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 a great ending. Um, it it just it still doesn't. I mean, it, it's awesome. It's it's fun to go back and watch, but it still does. No, no ending to a Child's Play movie holds up to the end of the end of Child's Play two. Yeah, in, exactly. in the good, good guy doll factory. Yeah, and Child's Play two um, is proof because a lot of people um, and we've had this conversation before when we I think we put up a poll once we were surprised to find out that 
everybody liked Nightmare on Elm Street one better than than um, than uh, three Dream Warriors, and I think it's because a lot of people are just so attached to to the first movie, which is not the case with me with Halloween. Uh, I'll say that right now in case somebody tries to say that. That's why I don't like the other ones. Um, but yeah, the, sometimes people don't want to admit that that a movie that came out later is actually better than the first one, and Child's Play is a perfect example of that, because um, Child's Play 2, we both agree, is the best one in the franchise, hands down. Uh, sometimes I don't even, um, like if I'm if I'm feeling like watching a Chucky movie, uh, I'm not going to watch the first one, like I'll go straight to the second one. And um, yeah, that's proof right there that it's not, it's not always that, oh, the original's the best, oh, oh, you can't top the original, it's sometimes a sequel really could top the original, and, and um, two perfect examples of that is Dream Warriors, and Child's Play 2. Yeah, well, Don Mancini also, when he created Child's Play, he created that in college. And he wrote that script in college. And again, like, the first Child's Play is a great movie. It's awesome. But, um, again, like, you're creating a movie to scare people. And there's children, you know there's going to be 12-year-olds watching the movie somewhere. And you have their dolls that look just like my buddy that are coming to life and killing people. Like, again, it's going to strike fear in people. But, um... So, and, and that's like, again, my brother was nine years old or so when that came out. Uh, I was about four, and like, I, I was watching it because he was watching it. And again, they, they got their group that still to this day, like, we'll go and watch the movies in theaters, or we'll go and, uh, we'll go and see the director video films, which the last two director video films are really, really good. Curse and Cult of Jockey, I enjoy them a lot. Um, I, I liked Curse a lot. Did, did you see Cult? Yeah, I wasn't a fan. I, I thought it was, um, I got like a TV show vibe from it. Yeah, I, I, I liked it. I, I definitely put them both in front of Seed, and I oh, for sure. put them, I can't really compare them. Bride of Chucky was so like, uh, I, I love Bride of Chucky, but it's just, um, it was just a different feel to the movie. It's like a totally different directions that they were going in. So again, like, it's like comparing apples and oranges, comparing Colt and, uh, Colt and, uh, what, what's the other one, Colt and, um, Curse. Curse, yeah, to uh, to Bride of Chucky, uh, but again, like I said, there's a lot of sequels that are better than the first ones. Again, like um, Hellraiser two is to me ten times better than Hellraiser. Um, if I had to choose any time, I'm always watching Hellraiser two. And then again, not knocking Texas Chainsaw Massacre, great movie, and it's probably better than the sequel. But Texas Chainsaw Massacre two is like it's like going from house to house two. It's a totally different type of movie. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, kind of like Child's Play 2, brings a lot of comedy into it, too. Yeah. So, again, like, so that's, uh, again, I always say there's no better scene in a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie than Dennis Hopper fighting Leatherface in a chainsaw duel. Yeah, that's a genius. That's what, yeah, that's what TCM2 gives you. But, oh, yeah, I, I agree. A lot of times about, sequels are better. Yeah, one thing about Bride of Chucky that I think is interesting is that that, that was um, Don Mancini's answer to the slasher teen genre that Scream revitalized um, and what was cool at the moment. Uh, so Bride of Chucky, like, they added the humor and, and like, more, um, I guess, more a more grounded, like, uh, I don't want to say a ground, more grounded story, but, like, the teenagers, I guess they tried to make them more like like the real-life uh, teenagers at the time. Like uh, Again, it was their answer to, to Scream and H2O and all those movies that were coming out. Uh, and I think it's funny that even the, the cover of Bride of Chucky is inspired by the Scream poster. Um, you remember it's like the scream two poster right yeah yep it's just like half of tiffany's face and half of chucky's face and like that black and white um you know tone um, yeah well, one think, has like a green eye the other one has like a blue eye yeah I, I think that's really clever and funny how how it's like 
And it was the first proof that, like, Chucky could adapt to, like, whatever the current times are. And, and it's, like, he's here to stay because, you know, Chuck, uh, the Child's Play movies could have been, like, the Ice Cream Man or, like, all those other slashers that, that people just jumble up together as the movies that, that you know, uh, were out when horror was, was dead. But Chucky was able to adapt pretty well with Ride of Chucky in, in the current times at that time in 98. Yeah, and Don Mancini is a genius too. Like, like I, I, I don't know if he's a genius, but he has like a, a really good idea, yeah. and he was able to go on with it for like seven films, whatever it was. I don't think he had anything to do with the uh, remake. I'm not sure, but um, but he was able to create this. Uh, he he this did. Franchise. He hated the remake. Yeah, he hated the remake. And he loves Tito Chucky, which again, like, <laughs> surprised me. But you know, it, it's his movie. Good, good for him. You know. Yeah, I'm happy and, for him. And not to discredit him, but um, a big part of, of why Chucky's cool, I think, is the voodoo part. Um, I know some people might have mixed feelings about that, but the voodoo part actually wasn't his idea, and he was against it. Um, I, I forgot how he originally wanted to make him come to life, I think, it, when they were called Blood Buddies. And, um, and and by the way, we will get back to Halloween. I apologize. We're just, we're just trying to make a point about how... Yeah, th- th- this is the Halloween podcast, <laughs> and you get plenty of Halloween. Don't worry about it. Yeah, we're, we're just talking about how, how movies eventually become something else, and, you know, they go on to do because yeah. Halloween is a perfect example of that. But, um, yeah, originally it was going to be called um, um, My Buddy, I think, or, or Blood Buddies, and Don Mancini wanted Chucky to come to life by, by having, like, Andy bleed, or, and they mix their blood together by accident or something. And uh, it was actually Tom Holland, the, the director of Child's Play 1, uh, not Tom Holland, Spider-Man from nowadays. Um, Tom Holland was the one who said, no, let's make it a voodoo thing. So um, I'm glad Dalman Senior didn't have full creative control in Child's Play 1 because he got some help from the studio and the directors that altogether made Chucky who he is right now. So it's kind of better that he took over Child's Play 2 once the lore was already established, and then, and then that's when he made the best Chucky movie. So Dalman yeah, Senior is responsible for why Chucky's great, but... Don't forget that Child's Play One, um, he had input from other people that, that helped it. He's responsible why Chucky's great, and also responsible for many of my nightmares as a child. Oh yeah, yep. But uh, but but talking about creative control, let's get back to Halloween. Who had creative control over Halloween? John Carpenter Mr. and his girl. Mr. Yep. Mm-hmm. John and Deb, they had the full time, full full out creative control over Halloween when that came out. The uh, uh, Mustafa Akkad who was the executive producer, he was pitched this movie, Who um, and again, he had no interest in making Halloween. He thought he didn't understand the film. Kind of like Donald Pleasance. Like, Donald Pleasance didn't really understand the film while he was making it. Um, quick note on Pleasance. Um, uh, yes. Donald Pleasance was the third actor that was chose for to be, um, because they wanted one. J- Jamie Lee Curtis wasn't known then. Her parents were known, Tony Curtis and Janet Lee Curtis. Uh, that they, they were definitely big actors, but she wasn't a known actress, and they they wanted to spend the last remaining of their budget on a well-known actor. So they first they went after Peter Cushing, um, who was who's just done Star Wars, and that asshole said um, he said the film wasn't big enough for him; it wasn't <laughs> for him because he just did Star Wars. And not knocking Star Wars, it's I, I guess it did well itself, but to me. <laughs> But to me, Halloween, I enjoy it a lot better. Um, and Christopher Lee, who was in the later Dracula movies, um, he turned it down too. And years later, he bumped into Deborah Hill, the producer of Halloween, and said that it was the biggest mistake he ever made turning down the role of Dr. Loomis. Good. But um, so <laughs> they ended up going to uh, 
a cod, and he wasn't interested in the movie, just like just like uh, just like Pleasance wasn't. Pleasance actually said the only reason he told Carpenter the only reason why I'm making your movie is like I don't get it. It doesn't sound interesting to me. He goes, my daughter saw your movie Assault on Precinct 13th, and she loved the music that you had in it, and that's why I'm going to be in your movie. There are so many stories in Hollywood of people taking roles because their uh, the kids were fans of something. Um, another one that comes to mind is Tommy Lee Jones didn't want to be Two Face, I believe, until one of his kids told him about how awesome Two Face is in, in the Batman cartoon. So I, I always love that that um, we have the younger generation to uh, tell like the older folks like, hey, you better take this role. <laughs> well, I still think that Tommy Lee Jones hates that movie. But uh, yeah, he definitely he did didn't horrible like working with so Jim Carrey. Yeah, I wish yeah. his nephew or son or whoever was didn't tell him because he, he did really bad in that. <laughs> well, an- another thing, and we're, and we're not going to go that deep into this because we just went deep into the Child's Play franchise, but Nightmare on Elm Street, Johnny Depp was hired because his daughter thought that Johnny Depp was hot. He <laughs> came in to do the audition, and she goes, make him in the movie, put him in the movie. So um, I guess Johnny Depp could thank Wes Craven's daughter for, uh, for his film career. So, and Skeet Ulrich, too, because he was cast because he looks like Johnny Depp. So it's crazy. 100%. <laughs> yeah, I think I always thought that Skeet Ulrich was a great actor. And I thought that, like, again, like, he should have been in more movies. But stuff happens. A lot of actors, when you look back at it, are only in movies for, like, six, seven years. And then, and then they fade out. And not, not everyone's, like, Michael Douglas or whatever. Yeah, but, um, that sucks for Peter Cushing. That's the biggest mistake he ever made. Um, he, he'll say that, but... Um, for the fans, well, it, ended uh, it, being, it, it ended up being the best thing ever because Donald Pleasance is my absolute favorite in this movie. Like besides, obviously Michael and Laurie, he is just so freaking funny in this, um, and just makes the movie like and his acting and uh, the fact that he's like a, a respected actor and and you know brings that 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 um that talent to this movie. Uh, I I can't imagine this movie without with anybody else playing Doctor Loomis. He's he's my favorite and sometimes um. I forget that um, it's not supposed to be a comedy because like, I'm not laughing at him, but I'm just laughing at his um, enthusiasm and the way he delivers the lines and how into it he is. So it's it's crazy that that you're telling me he didn't understand the the, the film um, when he was going into it because the way he's acting, it's like he knows exactly the film he's in because he sells Michael as this real unstoppable threat. Like um, if it wasn't for for him, Dr. Loomis and and the guy playing him, uh, Donald Pleasance. Um, I, I think Michael's like his lore and like his um, his backstory wouldn't be as like intriguing. It's the fact that we hear Dr. Loomis describing it the way he does and um, the words that he does, or as Sheriff Brackett says, um, "fancy talk." Um, that sells Michael's um, evilness and like how, how crazy he is just as much as actually seeing Michael on the screen. So I'm very happy Donald Pleasant's got this role. He's my favorite part in the whole movie. Well, Carpenter, even though even though. Uh even though, like, say he said, Akkad said they, and Akkad, even though Pleasant says that he didn't really understand the movie that well, um, and he wasn't really interested in it, he uh, Carpenter said that Pleasance was was great on set, and although, because when they made this movie, remember, like, I guess Pleasance was like around fifty, I guess, I, I don't know, maybe even older than that, maybe around sixty, yeah. and when when they made that movie, everyone involved in it, the oldest people on set were were um, Hill and Carpenter, and they were like 30. Everyone else was like in their early 20s. So they were all just having a fun time making a movie. And again, like um, Nick Castle, who played uh, Michael Myers throughout most of the movie, um, he said he only took the role because he wanted to uh, see what went into directing. And he actually ended up directing Dennis the Menace and Major Pain later on in the 90s. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, yeah. So he was, uh, again, all these people were just young actors just trying to learn the business. Like, even Jamie Lee Curtis, like, she said she was called back and she was just expecting them to say, well, you put up a great uh, audition, but we're really looking for something else. Like, they were all nervous and they didn't know what they were getting into. So, again, even Carpenter, who was, like, 30, this is his maybe third film. He worked on Dark Star and Assault and Precinct 13. I think Carpenter said that he was... He was nervous being around uh, Pleasance because he's around this like great actor. Yeah, and I imagine that. He, yep. There are some things that Pleasance told him that like the film would do better without that Carpenter wanted in the film, and Carpenter said that I specifically left this stuff out because he said not to put it in, and I was afraid to argue with him. It's not like I thought I was wrong, but he's like this this great icon's in front of me. Yeah. I'm not going to sit there and tell him that he's wrong. But um, and he was known but, mostly as as playing a. Uh, Blofeld in um, in James Bond, right? Yeah, no, no, that's probably his biggest role. But then again, I think it was a lot bigger in like the fifties and sixties and stuff. I I watch older movies. I haven't seen many of his films though. Yeah. But uh, other than the six Halloween, the five Halloween movies that he was in, he was in all the original six except for the Halloween three. But yeah, he, he was uh, yeah. perfect casting. Him and Laurie. Um, the whole cast, if you want to get into the cast right now, um, and, and it's so cool to see, watch them in Halloween Kills, like seeing Sheriff Brackett, seeing, um, I forgot her name, but um, the lady driving with Loomis um, to, to see Michael when they find out he escaped and then he steals her car. I don't know her name, but she was in Halloween 7. Um, she, she was in Steve's favorite Halloween, Halloween H2O. <laughs> and <laughs> by Steve, I mean me. But um, and she was also in uh, the newer Halloween movie, ha- yeah. ha- Halloween Kills. Yeah, that's just so awesome. Um, not just because it's like, oh, that's so cool, that's the same actors, but because they actually did uh, so good in their roles. And um, yeah, um, I-, I told you this before we went on the air, but I think um, Nancy Loomis, um, no, Annie is her name in, in the in the movie. She's just the the coolest like character like um girl character i've ever seen like her attitude and the way she she talks and her sense of humor um and how beautiful she is she's like one of my favorite girls in a slasher ever and um her kills you in the most memorable too when michael sneaks up behind her and and uh, chokes her and then i believe he stabs her or he slashes her um i can never really tell what he does um yeah he 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 doesn't slash her. I think he stabs her from behind her inside the uh, yeah, car. Yeah, it's like a weird quick cut. You can't um, you can't tell that well. But um, yeah. yeah, that that kill is a classic kill right there. That that um, went on to be emulated on other slashers of uh, being killed from from someone in the back seat of your car. Uh, urban legend also comes to mind, even though that's that's um, from an urban legend. I'm not sure if they made that up for the movie or if it's an actual urban legend. But um, just, yeah, Annie in general, uh, all her scenes, um, her sense of humor and the way she gets killed and then the part when Michael puts the grave on, on her bed, the Judy Myers part, those are parts that will always like stick with you in your head for, for like forever. Like when, when I think of Halloween, I think of um, key parts like that. And um, yeah, Annie, I'd say, is just as important of a character as, um, as Laurie is. And sometimes Michael seems to be like as fascinated by her and as like, intrigued by her as he is by, uh, of Laurie. So... Yeah, I think he, he paid more attention to Annie and Laurie than he did to um, PJ Swole's character. Just an observation. And yeah, she's my favorite one. Yeah, just uh, again, so as you all know, Steve has a big crush on Nancy Loomis. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, what was say? Uh, <laughs> but uh, that was uh, the girl from Urban Legend, actually, that girl in that car is uh, Robert Wagner's daughter. Robert Wagner is the guy who was married to um, Natalie Wood, who they think killed Natalie Wood on the boat. 
but uh, Natalie Wood from West Side Story. But um, in interesting fact that I don't know if many people know that they might. Maybe I'm just getting a fact that you all know. But uh, so, and Danielle Harris was also in an Urban Legend, right? She was the, the doc girl. Yeah, and Danielle Harris, like again, to me, Danielle Harris became just as big of a scream queen as Jamie Lee Curtis. I think those are the two biggest scream queens that I can think of. Um, people say Linnea Quigley, but I think that they are bigger. Um, Danielle Harris went on to star in uh, Halloween Four, Halloween Five. She was in the ho later Halloween sequels. She was in Urban Legend, like you just said. She was in the Hatchet franchise. A bunch of low-budget horror movies, too. Uh, again, Jamie Lee Curtis, she's known for Halloween, Halloween 2, The Fog, Prom Night. Um, some underrated movie, that um, Road Games, that came out in the early 80s, too. So, again, like I said, those are the... Uh, when I think of Scream Queens, um, those are the two, two ladies I speak of. And they're both, again, it just happens that they're both from the Halloween franchise. So, do you have to be the final girl to be considered a Scream Queen? Um, I don't think so. Because right, so Linnea if not, then my, wasn't. The, then my favorite screen queens are Annie in Halloween and uh, Nancy and and I know what you did last summer. But if you have to be a final girl, then they don't count. But I guess I always like the side girls more than than like the. You main said girl. Nancy. And I know what you did last summer. Yeah, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar. I meant. He Helen. Helen. Yeah, yep. Helen. Yep. Helen. It's okay. You, yeah, Helen. I know what you did last summer and Annie and. Halloween are my favorite. I didn't know if you meant I didn't know if you meant Heather Langkamp from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street for a second. Oh yeah, and Anne's, no, no, no. She she's yeah, a, yeah. she's a, obviously a scream queen because she's a final girl. Yeah, in she, fact, that 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 gets me thinking. If West named Nancy and that after Nancy Loomis, I don't know. Maybe maybe not. That might be a bit bit of a stress stretch. Yeah, yeah, it did come out after. Yep. Yeah. I mean, Wes is the king of um of referencing other stuff. I mean, I think well, uh, in general, horror has always been really good at at paying respect and tribute to like the, the people that paved the way for the you know whatever movie they're making. Yeah, and like like we said before in past episodes, like Wes Craven put um, Evil Dead. Uh, Nancy's watching that in her room um, when she's going to bed, and she calls uh, she calls Giant Depp over. Yeah. But um, and he even did again, the most the most on the nose reference like there's ever been. It wasn't even subtle at all in um, in Scream when he's dressed like Freddy. And he's like, no, not you, Fred. And he's literally wearing the, the vest oh, yeah, and the yeah. hat and everything, just like Freddy. That was hilarious. Yeah, but that again, that, that that's because like they know that the people who are watching it are horror fans, <laughs> and they 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 know they're gonna get the joke and get a good laugh out of there. Like yeah. Scream is a terrifying movie in some way, but in some way it's just a movie that you're supposed to like. There, there's a reason why Matthew Lillard and. Um, Rose McGowan are in it. The, the, there's a lot of comic relief in the movie, and like and like you were just pointing out the Fonz. Uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Nancy Loomis. I'm going to go on for one more second with her. She was uh she was in a lot of Halloween. She was in a lot of um, would say uh, Carpenter films as well. She was in Assault Precinct 13, Halloween, The Fog, Halloween 2, and uh, Halloween 2. She was just like a cameo because her character was dead, and she was also in Halloween 3, even though that's not a Carpenter film. Do you, do, do you know who directed Halloween 3? Uh, I don't. Uh, even though I should save this for later, for our two episodes from now, but I'll say it now, because um, last night um, last night I was watching the new Pennywise documentary, the, the It documentary, and the director of It, Tommy Lee Wallace, who actually was in Halloween, he played Michael Myers while Michael Myers is attacking her in the closet. He is the director of It and of Halloween 3. 
Oh, okay. So, yeah, I think I did hear that. Yeah, I, I just want to give a. Sh uh, I, I want to. Uh, we were on our Instagram page the other day, and someone commented on one of our photos about about the new It documentary and how it's on Screenbox. And Screenbox, I went and got the app the other day. You can get it through Amazon Prime. It's sort of like Shutter, but there's um, the movies are a lot. Um, they aren't as mainstream as Shutter. Usually, you'll find some mainstream movies on there, but there's a lot of movies that like you wouldn't find that are on there. And again, like a lot when I go through Shutter, I own about ninety percent of the movies on there. So, but Shutter does have a bunch of me, me and Steve were just talking about. They have a bunch of new low budget movies too, but you'll find movies like on Screenbox like uh, Toolbox Murders and Pieces and stuff, which I do own those. But you'll find a lot of movies like that. Uh, the, the mutilator that you might not own and might not have seen if you're not that in the slasher films. I, I own like 150 slasher movies, so normally I do own them. But again, these are movies that I didn't see as a kid. So maybe if you haven't watched them, uh, just download Screenbox. And again, there's an, the only reason why I downloaded it is because of that awesome uh, uh, it docu documentary on there. Yeah, that's been the best part about having the um, the horror page on Instagram. Where like we said in the last episode, we really appreciate and and like love the the horror community a lot. Like uh, we always knew horror fans were awesome because you know we're, we're horror fans. But having this Instagram uh, showed you how supportive everybody is. And one of the best parts is discovering stuff like the Screen Box or a lot of movies that that I didn't think about watching before. Like sometimes I'll even put up a poll of uh, uh, two movies I want to compare, and one movie will overwhelmingly get like uh, the vote over the other one, and then I'll. That'll like catch me by surprise. Like, oh, really? Like, I thought, um, you know, these two movies were just as well liked. So then that'll give me like uh, incentive to go check out the movie that everybody vote for, voted for. Because sometimes I don't see them all. So, yeah, that's been the, the best part about this. So keep, uh, keep them coming. Recommendations, um, screen box movies, any stuff like that. That um, and, and we'll shout it out too here on the page on, on the podcast. But um, yeah, thank you guys for that. Yeah, like Steve just said, we, we want to teach you guys stuff, but we we, we want to learn stuff from you guys. So it's, it's all about it's like anything. It's all about Communication, yeah. yeah like I said, exactly. it's, it, we're, we're a horror team. It's teamwork, guys. Yes, sir. But uh, yeah, but I, I like like I was saying before, Halloween to me as I got older is um, and my my dad always said this too, but my dad would get confused. He's always like, yeah, the the only one that I really like is that one with Jason where he's walking around and killing the babysitters. And I'd be like, y you mean Michael Myers? <laughs> but like, uh, but again, yeah, he's like, yeah, wh wh whatever. He's like, but they're all the same thing. But like. Uh, but he always enjoyed Halloween, but, like, when it came down to, like, Friday and Nightmare on Elm Street, he's like, this stuff's just silly. And, again, like, um, but he wasn't wrong where, like, Halloween, Halloween is up there with me with The Exorcist, The Shining, Jaws, Psycho, Night Living Dead, all that stuff where they are just, again, like, they are some of the greatest, uh, again, I like Halloween more than all of them, but anyone could put up an argument saying that The Exorcist, Shining, Jaws, Psycho, Night Living Dead, all that stuff, anyone could put up an argument saying that they like those movies better and that they're better films. More influential. And they could probably put up a decent argument. Yeah. You you, you aren't going to do that with Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday 13th. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, um, yeah. But, like, uh, the things that make this movie terrifying for me, again, like, I said in our last episode, too, that John Carpenter, because our last episode, if you don't remember, we were doing The Thing. So we are talking about John Carpenter then, too. And John Carpenter, let's say, he knows how to make a fucking good, scary movie, a great, scary movie. Like I said, with The Thing, with Halloween, even like, uh, 
even with Christine and the Fog, those are great movies. Maybe not, maybe not as big as the other two, but again, he knows how to make a good scary film, and he does it in certain ways. Like he, he one of his icons, again, again, one of the people that they looks up to is is uh, Alfred Hitchcock, and again, like I said, he he looks up to him. He pretty much took a lot from what he saw in Psycho and put that all that suspense into his film and uh, uh, Hitchcock's other films. Um, we'll go into the music. Like I said, the first time they played this movie for, um, for critics, um, they watched it without the music and they didn't like the movie and they were like, this sucks. And then they put the music in and people were scared. It's like, uh, again, so those things, um, it puts you in a situation, like in Jaws, like in the water, everyone go, most people go swimming, but it puts you in a situation with like, most people have been babysat or have been babysitters. And it's, again, it's an actual situation that you can go into and see yourself in, and that makes it more terrifying. Um, again, like, like the, at, at the end of this movie with Jamie Lee Curtis, I'm scared for her. Like I said, I, I wasn't like really scared for Nancy, um, but I am scared for, uh, by Nancy, I mean Nancy from Nightmare, but like, I am terrified for Jamie at the end of this movie. And yeah. again, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, um, one thing that, that, um, makes it ex extra scary is, um, I know later on in the movies they go, go like a more supernatural route, but, um, it's kind of like what made, um, Scream scary also. It's just the fact that it's not like Jason, the supernatural guy coming out from the water or whatever. Um, it's a real person just in a mask going out killing people and um, yeah that makes it relatable and that that's what gives it a lot of points is the fact that it's like in a re in a setting where like you said jaws you know everybody goes to the beach um, it's a setting that we're all familiar with either you're a kid and you've been babysat or you're a girl that that's babysitting uh, kids and um, one thing that that works for it so well it is the stalking in the beginning because that that's like not like um you know there's nothing that scary there's, it's not michael going up to her and killing her or like attacking people just stalking is like a real life you know fear of people like who is that guy i keep seeing this person out the window everywhere i go there's this one guy just standing there um seeing him drive around which is one of the coolest parts of the movie is seeing michael in the background um you know like like when dr um i mean when uh, loomis and uh, <coughs> sheriff Brackett are talking i believe uh, I didn't even catch this on my first couple of viewings, but um, Michael's like in the background driving, and that's like you know in the in the middle of the daytime too. So it, again, not your typical horror movie. Like it's not it's not like uh, a bloody scene. It's not it's not uh, it's not dark. It's, not, it's just Michael in the background in the middle of the daytime stalking people, and that's very scary. That's like a real life fear. And originally the movie was supposed to be called like the Babysitter Killers, I believe, or the Babysitter Murders. So it all came from like um, like the idea all came from something that that was just you know something that, that really could happen or that has happened before it was never meant to be like a, a supernatural thing like later on they they, they uh, took michael surviving all the shots and falling out the, the balcony to like an extreme by making him like you know not feel any pain and all that but before that scene and i would and i would argue even during that that could just be that, that he survived but, you know he, he doesn't feel pain maybe off adrenaline or, or whatever it that, that could be that could be rationalized in some way but um before that and, and during the whole movie there's no hints of this being a supernatural thing that's what makes it really scary it's like a real person yeah and like uh again they they, they with halloween 8 is the only film that me and steve agree on that is a horrible film um when that came out too talking about like supernatural like 
remember thinking like in the beginning of that movie like Halloween 7 I'm sure you guys seen H2O if not about, about to give away the ending um, he gets his head chopped off and you're like how is he back in this and they're like oh well they he took the ambulance driver and put the ambulance driver in his outfit and, all, so and like it was just ridiculous and like but uh, again that, that that's one of those movies that would be torture for me to sit through uh, but yeah, yeah, this movie had very little blood in it, and again, like I said before, it, it just, um, and like I said, later on it gets a lot bloodier and gorier because of the competition with the other horror films, and that's what 80 Slashers has become. It, it became that at that point, but, uh, yeah, but like everything like we were saying, like um, everything with the horror was just using your imagination and just, again, the music and all that stuff, and again, it, it was great. Um, the things that they do in the movie too, like in Scream, they had a. They, in Scream, they had the three rules or whatever it was. And Carpenter and Hilly said about the rules. They said that having sex and drinking and dying, you would die. Like uh, the reason why they did that is because you aren't paying attention to the stuff that's going on around you. Yeah. So Lori in the movie, like again, she wasn't paying attention to boys. Maybe for that one scene for a little bit, but uh, she wasn't trying to have sex. She wasn't drinking or. Uh, but she, you know, it was like she, she did smoke pot a little bit, right? Yeah, she did. Yeah, so she had a little bit of a good time, but her mind wasn't on uh, getting laid the whole movie, so that's why she survived. And she says that uh, boys think that she's too smart, which is one of the dumbest things I ever heard. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, but, uh, and, and again, that's why I like Annie. Like she's so badass, like smoking while driving her dad's car, and then like she pulls up right in front of her dad, like and she just, you know, and she even like kind of like has control over her dad, like her dad, like um. You know, doesn't he can't really tell her what to do and stuff. He's like driving her car, smoking, and then she even like drives away. Like she makes a, a wise ass remark. She's just the best. I love her. And Sheriff Rackett is awesome, also. Yeah, um, I don't. I think he's. I think he went on to star in some bigger things too. I'm not sure. Not bigger than Halloween, but I think he had a good film career after, uh, according to what I heard. I'm not too familiar with him though. Yeah, and I bet yeah. that was pretty um, like surprising seeing teenagers smoking weed and drinking and having sex um for that time that was probably pretty like um not not offensive but like alarming to like you know people like old school people and that reminds me of um of like psycho because psycho did a lot of stuff too that that you never saw in a movie like uh, you can correct me if i'm wrong but i think halloween was the first one of the first movies like at least a big budget movie to show teenagers like in those um those positions oh wait no texas chainsaw massacre came out first right yeah, Tech Chainsaw Massacre came out in 74. Okay, all right. But, but yeah, anyways, I still want to make this point. Um, it's just um, Halloween was, was, like, taking risks that I don't think other movies um, took before it. And that reminds you of Psycho. Um, Alfred Hitchcock was the first person, I read this somewhere the other day, to put a toilet in his movie. Before that, there was never a toilet scene in a Hollywood movie because people thought it was, like, inappropriate. Like, nobody wants to see a toilet in a movie. And Alfred Hitchcock went, went, went ahead and put it. So I think Halloween does that too. It like shows like a raw look at how teenagers are, even if people didn't want to see or weren't necessarily ready for it at the time. Yeah, and even like that comparing that to to music and stuff like that. I, I went to see Incubus and Sublime the other day with my friend, and we were driving back. This is my friend. He's always like he's always picking people up at concerts and driving them back, like like random people. And, like, I'm always afraid I'm going to get murdered. Like, I guess I watch too much horror. So he's like, are you sure you're okay with this? I'm like, I'm not okay with it, but I'm not the one driving. But um, 
So we drive this girl back to, uh, she lives in the, well, he dropped me off first, and I, I made sure to mention to the girl, please don't kill my friend. And then he dropped her off in the Bronx while he was going to Connecticut. But um, we were talking about, like, how shows now, like, there was some show that we were talking about, like, music show where, like, a girl was fingering a girl on, like, a show. Like, 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 on, on the stage. That was, like, part of the act. And, like, I'm sitting there, like, Jesus Christ. And you go back, and, like, all that goes from, like, Elvis getting in trouble for shaking his hips. <laughs> and, like, it's so much different what you could do now than what you could do 50 years ago, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah like, um, like, and to bring up South Park again, um, like, South Park, it, it, it's, it's a great show. It's been going on forever, but I say South Park, some of its appeal has been lost because we're desensitized to all the stuff that when they did on TV was a huge deal. But now you see it on TV all the time or on YouTube, on the Internet, on, you know, memes, whatever. So, yeah, it's crazy how, how, how uh, perspective could change. Like, uh, that's, a, that's the best example right there. Elvis Presley shaking his hips was, like, you know, so sexual at that time. And now now we have, like, girls twerking, and that's, like, all right. So, uh, you know, so it's pretty interesting, like, looking back and laughing at these people that, that you know, were so offended by, by small things like teenagers drinking in a movie or a toilet being shown in a movie. Yeah, no, 100%. And, again, like, it's great that, it's great that these things exist because someone – like he says, minors is someone needs to make those steps to yeah. make it all right, you know. Yep, exactly. But uh, I thought I thought it was great that that Carpenter said like he wanted all creativity on the film because there's so much things that are like he's like, all right, I'm not I'm not cutting it out. He's like, this is my film, and like it, it talk about there's a lot of newer films out there where like we talked about before with it, the slice and dice all these little things, and Carpenter's going, well, no, this is how I want my film to be, and that's how it's going to be. Yeah, and, and he made again. Absolutely perfect film. Yeah, and the main thing he said too like, is that he wanted to be associated with this movie. So he said, I want my name. He's like, the one thing that's not negotiable is that I want my name on the on like the title. It needs to be John Carpenter's Halloween. That's yeah, it's, it's so. crazy. Um, it, it, this is just like what I was saying about Child's Play. It's cool that that um, that um, um, Carpenter had full creative control but at the same time sometimes you really do need studios and other other people's opinions to help you out well he did have full creative control but he was steered in the right direction by um, being told we want to make a movie about uh, babysitter babysitter murders um, and then you know he just took it from there and made it like you know this masterpiece we have now but um also I think it was Mustafa uh, Akkad uh, so you say his name yep yeah it was his idea to make it Halloween, um, to name the title Halloween, and to make it centered around the holiday Halloween, which I think adds so much to the movie, and a lot of my favorite parts of it, and why I like watching on Halloween is because of the Halloween um, theme that it has. So um, I'm glad he was steered in the right direction, like saying, like, all right, it's, it's about babysitter murders, and make it set on Halloween. Those were the only two things that he needed to be told, and from there on, he made this incredible movie that you know we're still talking about today. And uh, the Halloween element adds so much to it um, and, and to the fear of it because, like we were saying before, the, sub, so the suburban setting makes it relatable. The fact that it's babysitters makes it relatable. Uh, Halloween also makes it relatable because, you know, we, we've all, we all love Halloween and have experienced Halloween before. Uh, one of the things that happens on Halloween is people do a lot of pranks and stuff and um, a lot of, um, you know, practical jokes on each other. So that adds to the, the fear of this because there's a lot of scenes, there's a lot of times where um, Lori thinks that, that they're just playing a prank. Like, th throughout the whole movie, all you hear them say is, come on, guys, this is a joke, uh, this is a prank, you know, you'll pay for this. 
And uh, at first it sounds like silly because it's like, all right, why, why do they think people are always pranking them? But then you got to remember, it takes place on Halloween. And on Halloween, that's all people do is, is pull pranks on each other and scare each other, try to get a scare. Uh, like Sheriff Rackett said, like we all, we're all entitled to one good scare. So um, the fact that it's on Halloween just adds so much more, like especially when, when, um, when Lori is running for help across the street after she got sliced by, by Michael. She knocks on the, on the door of the neighbors like frantically and screams for help, and they think that she's just a person doing a prank. They think that she's just a, you know, a teenager on Halloween um, you know, being silly, whatever. So um, that's always been like a big fear of mine, like being in danger and people like not believing you or, or not taking, taking you seriously or thinking that like, you know, it's, it's not real. So they, they played that up pretty well. Um, they, they use the Halloween theme very well in this. Well, it's the same thing in Scream. Like I said, like, I mean, it doesn't take place on Halloween, but kids will be kids and do pranks, too. Yeah. So, like, again, like, so, like, when, what's her name? When Neve Campbell picks up the phone, she thinks that it's, uh, it's, um, what's his name? Um, Randy calling her. Yeah. <laughs> or, it's, I, I guess Randy's a practical joker. So, even when Tatum dies, she goes outside into the garage, and she, she goes into the garage from the house, and she thinks that it's just Randy fucking with her. Wow, and I just that that just like um, put a light bulb in my head. I I just realized the reason uh, not not just that he's a practical joker, but it's already been established. Uh, the reason why Sydney thinks that it's Randy on the phone, it's already been established that Randy's really good at doing voices, and he likes doing voices. Because remember, he did the deliver in the mailbox <laughs> part in the, in the fountain. Yeah, the Jerry Lewis voice. Yeah, so I bet you Wes Craven, he's just that you know he pays that much attention to detail that I bet you he put that in there so that we know the audience knows. Okay, so Randy likes. Uh, you know, d making voices and and doing impersonations. So then later on, when he's on the phone, it kind of makes sense. Like we we the viewer, obviously we know it's it's uh, Ghostface on the phone, but uh, we can understand why Sydney would think it's Randy because Randy does voices. I, I didn't even think of that. She's an idiot. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, like again, yeah, this movie was just uh, again so much great stuff that went into filming. Like even even the opening sequence with like the uh, with the pumpkin getting closer and closer with the title credits coming up. Again, that, that, that that's creepy itself, and then uh, that that going into I, I I don't think that there's any I don't think that there's any opening in a horror movie that I like more than Scream, but um, it's a great opening in this too. Um, they they used a Panaglide, it's like a steady cam system, where they uh, that whole scene is just a camera attached to the cameraman, and he's walking and gliding through like the. Uh, through the outside of the house, and it's a, it's all that one shot. I think they use that shot. They use that in, um, I believe, uh, Goodfellas too. You, you remember that scene, Goodfellas? Yeah, the, the Copacabana. Stacey. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think they use the same thing, but this Halloween was the first. I think there was another movie that was using it before Halloween used it, but that movie wasn't out yet. So Halloween used this before any movie came out that used it. So. There's been like, Amazing. there's been cameras on tracks before that they use like like like, like a a track to to run it on before, but never the padded glide system where it's like on someone's chest and like they're uh, wow. and they walk through. And, and but, that brings uh, me to um, another reason why I love this movie because um, I love this like in, in uh, two ways for two reasons. Well, one as a, as a viewer like watching it, you know, just enjoying it for what it is as a horror fan. And then the other way I love it is just being a fan of movie directing and, and behind the scenes stuff. And this movie has so much fun stuff that like makes you like want to, you know, it kind of inspires you to like want to make your own movie one day. Like John Carpenter just kills it with these techniques. Um, for example, the one that you just said, or I remember even as a kid when I first got this on VHS, 
Um, and also, I was, I was going to ask you uh, what your uh, oldest memory of this is. We'll get to that after. But um, yeah, um, when I had this on VHS and then that opening intro you just brought up, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world when you see Michael's first person view and him walking. And then when he puts the mask on, um, the clown mask, and you see the mask actually go over the camera and then you see it through the lens, uh, you see the lens through the, the, the eyeballs of the, through the eye holes of the mask. I thought that was the coolest thing ever, and I was just like, okay, um, I want to make a movie one day after seeing that. And then the ultimate scene, I mean, the whole movie is just a masterwork of, of directing. Um, when it comes to, like, the lighting, um, you know, how long he keeps the camera on people, the way he pans the camera, the way um, he makes the camera uh, so that you know that Michael's around, that, you know, he's, he's around there somewhere, he's in the back, um, he's watching them. All, all that stuff, it's like, you know, it, it's not just an accident. Like, John Carpenter, obviously... You know, um, he learned a lot from Alfred Hitchcock and his film school and just being a fan of films in general. But um, I, I think it all, what, what it really comes down to, the, the greatest scene of the whole movie, which is hard to pick because there's just so many, is that closet scene. And I think that's the most iconic horror movie scene ever. And, and it, um, it just it gets me excited even thinking about it, talking about it. When that scene comes on, I, I like, get close to the TV. Um, usually I watch Halloween with the lights off on full volume. But that's the scene that like I look forward to. The scene that that leaves me feeling like like amazing and inspired, and like I want to like make a movie afterwards. And uh, I compare that to um, The Shining when uh, when Jack goes in. Um, and The Shining came out afterwards, so that uh, they could have been inspired by John Carpenter when he. When well, he, the, the Shining uh, also used the the the, uh, the panic ham or whatever they, use they call it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and like I know it's based on a book, but uh, I bet you Kubrick got inspiration for John Carpenter when when uh, um, Wendy closes Wendy closes herself in the closet and then he he does the famous "Here's Johnny." Um, yeah, that's a great scene and one of my favorite scenes of all time. But um, just to compare it for, for right now to the, to Halloween, um, I think Halloween does that even better with with Laurie in the closet and then showing um, this, and establishing the rules of later horror movies and later Final Girls, uh, showing how quick. Uh, Lori is thinking uh, when she's in danger and uh, how smart she is. She uh, she gets that clothes hanger, which when I first saw this, and I'm sure a lot of viewers, they didn't they wouldn't even think of that, um, putting themselves in that situation. She gets a clothes hanger and she, um, you know, strains it out and then pokes him in the eye. Uh, again, showing Lori's, like, you know, the smart, really resilient uh, final girl. But, um, yeah, just that whole scene overall is what I'll always look forward to when watching Halloween, the, the closet scene. Um, the lighting when he turns the light on and then it goes from being a, a dark scene to a light scene and uh, seeing it turn on and off seeing the the holes poke through the closet when he breaks it in and then seeing the light coming through that like I know that was all done deliberately by John Carpenter and he's just the absolute best at what he does yeah and just like you said Cooper got stuff from him that that's some stuff that that he got from uh, from Hitchcock again like he, he got that from the masters of suspense yeah and like again like and, and that the, the whole I, I love the whole ending scene where like and you see, you see a couple of scenes, like, you see that one scene where he's standing right behind her, and he's coming out of the shadows, mm-hmm. and you don't know that. I mean, she doesn't know that, and, and he slices her shirt, and, like, again, you see that happening. She obviously doesn't know what's going on until that part, but, like, it's just, like, a slow build-up, and it's great. Yeah, and that, I would love to know how they filmed that. Like, how did they make, um, again, going back to what I was saying, like, this movie's good in, in two ways, as a viewer, and also just, like, wondering how they did it and how they thought of these things. Like, how did they make Michael come out of the shadows like that? Like, that was just such a perfect shot. Yeah, I, I think they used 299000 for that, and the other 1000 went too. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh... <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> like, this one shot. There you go. Yes. Put, put 99.9% of our money towards it. 
Yeah, and then um, yeah, the whole ending is awesome. Um, uh, not to jump ahead because there's so many you know, stuff in between that we had to talk about, but um, the way Michael gets up, that's just so cool. Like, um, you think he's dead in the background, Laurie's crying, and then he gets up like, um, like the way he does. Like, how, like how the hell do you even think of that? And a lot of movies also, um, you know, went on to emulate that. I'm wo- I'm wondering if if he got that from someone because that's like. Just, just so creative the way Michael like you know what I'm talking about right the way he like sits yeah up. W- w- when he sits up and he kind of looks around he kind of looks to the left yeah right? and then he so gets up and his and his head is like still down and he slowly gets up like that's just like the coolest shot ever and like it's just like yeah. how the hell do you come up with that you know he's just like an animal is like the scene where he stabs Bob against the wall yeah <laughs> and like he's just kind of like he sits there just like observing his work it's it's like a <laughs> cat that just killed a mouse yeah yeah it's like he's just like observing it it's like. It's, it's scary and like I said like uh, but um again and that scene again is terrifying that is you don't see any blood you, you, you don't see anything and then he goes back to the room with PJ Souls with Linda and again you know what's going on it's just him in a sheet and she thinks it's her boyfriend yeah so she's so, just joking around with Michael I like yeah th- that's pretty cool cause um like it like kind of like how Michael driving like it's like these things that if you didn't see the movie, like, if you were just described, like, how Michael is or just saw a picture or maybe saw the later movies, uh, it's just so funny seeing him drive and, like, seeing him, like, underneath a sheet. But that really is part of his, his personality and what makes him so cool. And Halloween Kills did that very well, too. Um, like, you, were, you mentioned when, when he hung up Bob and then he just observes his work, tilting his head. Uh, they, did, they played up on that character trait pretty well in Halloween Kills when he stabs um, uh, one of the, the ladies' husbands, the, the, the black woman's husband, the, the white guy. And he pins him against yeah. the, the countertop, and he just keeps putting knife after knife on him. It's like an arts and crafts project. Uh, oh, that's yeah, one yeah. of my favorite parts about Michael is um, is that, like, just like the, I guess, quote-unquote, out-of-character stuff, because it's not really out-of-character since he's been doing this since the first movie. But um, that and, like, when he puts the grave on, on Annie's bed um, later on, they also, I guess, in the later movies, I don't know if they, they use that character trait, but... I know other slashers, um, they, they, like, did stuff to, like, decorate the room to, like, you know, be proud and, like, sh- uh, make kind of, like, make their kills, like, a, sh- uh, a shrine. A shrine. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, those are my favorite parts about Michael. It's just the fact that he's, like, so unpredictable. Like, like even him driving, it's like, how the hell did he even learn to drive? And um, John Carpenter is uh, so good that I bet you he thought of people questioning that, and he put it in the very beginning, and he has, he has them asking him, um, how the hell does he even learn to drive? And Dr. Lewis is like, I don't know. He's like, maybe he learned from watching one of you guys. And then, like, you know, that's it. Like, we still don't know how he drives, but at least they address it. So there's, like, no no stone left unturned in this movie. Everything's um, everything's covered. Down to even at the end, you even see Michael's face um, when he takes his mask off. That was not just, like, a cool, like, little Easter egg. That was just, like, it was important to see his face, I think, to remind people, like, yeah, this whole time there was a human underneath that. In case you thought it was, like, a zombie or a monster or whatever, um, here he is taking his mask off temporarily underneath is a regular guy. He even has the, the, the fucked up eye from when, when Jamie um, stabbed him in the eye. So, yeah, I like that that there's literally no, no stones left in turn in this movie. They cover everything. Yeah, and it's like you said with, the, with making the shrine stuff. At the, uh, there's a really good underrated horror movie slasher called Happy Birthday to Me. And that's from the early 80s and at the end, the killer kills all of her victims and she sets them up at a birthday table at the end, like a birthday kitchen table, and has them all, like, tied up so, like, they're all, like, smiling and stuff like that, and they're all sitting around a table, and they're all dead. Yeah. And, again, that, that reminded me of that for a second. 
Yeah, this movie didn't just set the rules of, like Randy says in Scream, um, of what to do as a character in a horror movie. This also set the rules for how to make a slasher movie later on, because that's one of the things, the shrine, a lot of people do that. Like, I, I think of, um, I know what you did last summer when she, when he, um, when he writes on her mirror, I believe it was, with the lipstick, was it? Soon. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when he when uh, I think of that, I think of um, Urban Legend when when he when the killer writes, "Aren't you glad you didn't turn off turn on the lights?" Like stuff yeah. like that, I think all originated from Halloween. Uh, having Michael be like you know very hands on with his decorations and tributes to his kills. So that's when he killed Danielle Harris too. Yeah, yeah like, exactly. So, she, so she's very unrecognizable in that movie. Yeah, all that makeup. Um, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, so it set the rules not just for, for the characters in the movie, but also how to make one. Because another thing that a lot of slashers did later on, and I, I think this is the first one, unless Psycho did it first, um, you always got to have that scene at the end where everybody got killed and it's just the final girl and she goes around the house where the killer keeps his bodies or, or wherever he killed the people and she opens a closet door and there's her friend and then she opens this and that and a body flies out of it. The whole revealing where the dead bodies ended up thing um, you know, it started here, I believe, because she sees it, P, it, PJ Souls in the closet, um, Bob yeah. hangs out, whatever, he, um, Annie with the grave. So, yeah, uh, you, you could tell me if they started that. I don't, I don't know if they had that in Black Christmas. Um, Black Christmas came out in 1972. Uh, that was a Margaret Kidder. The first slasher film ever was a movie I, I have it on DVD because I wanted oh. to own the first slasher movie ever. Now, it's called 13 Woman. Oh, wow. It came out in the 30s, I believe. It's about, like, this girl from a sorority that was uh, a different race that was kicked out of the sorority because of her race, and years later she's picking off her um, her sorority sisters. Hmm. Uh, it's called Thirteen Woman, and I heard about it. I bought it. It's a decent flick. Um, it's no Halloween, but like I said, it's good for like a '30s movie. And um, but I don't remember if that happens to Black Christmas. I don't think they find the bodies all over. I I, I, I can't remember. Yeah, and that's but like a staple now. Like you can't do a horror movie, basically, without revealing the dead bodies at the end. It's like you mentioned. It was in I Know We Did Last Summer. It was in, uh, it was, um, again, in, in Urban Legend. She's, in the final scene, she's bumping into all of her dead friends. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. So, but, uh... What's, yeah, this, um, this... I was going to ask you, because, like, like I said before, my, my first memory... Uh, actually, I first watched Halloween H2O. Halloween H2O, it's, it's funny, because I hate it so much now, but... That was the first Halloween movie I ever saw, and then uh, my parents bought uh, the original on VHS. And when I first saw it, I'm not gonna lie, I didn't really get it that much because I guess I was like, um, you know, the, the newer generation of films were like more like loud and faster, so the original one seemed like like a little slow to me. It, it became my favorite movie like ever throughout the years. But um, yeah, what's what's your oldest memory of Halloween? Did you also have it on VHS? Yeah, I, I had all of these movies. Um, again, like, uh, maybe I didn't. Um, I used to collect a lot of action movies. But um, I definitely, wa we, we would, I, I grew up in the time where the local video store was a huge thing. And again, my brother was a big horror movie fan. He still is. My, my brother watches a lot of those low-budget films on his shutter and stuff. And he's like, oh, you gotta watch it, you gotta watch it. And so I'll check out a few of them. But like, um, so... He would get all different types of movies. So I'm not even sure what the first Halloween movie I saw was. Um, it had not been... I'm sure he wasn't watching Halloween 3 that often back then. So it had not been Halloween 1, 4, or 5. And so it had not been one of those three. Because by the time Halloween 6 came out, 
I was 10, I'd definitely seen Halloween films before that. But I remember not being afraid as much of uh, Michael Myers at that time as much as I was afraid of... The two things that scared the hell out of me as a kid were Pennywise and Freddy Krueger. Like I said, and Chucky. So those are like the three things that really scared me as a child. Pennywise, Freddy Krueger, and Chucky. Like Jason and... Because again, I, it, you're seeing a guy with a... With a, with a hockey mask on his face, you're seeing a guy with a Shatner mask on his face, or you're seeing, again, you're seeing that stuff, I'm more afraid of a burn victim that's killing someone in their sleep, because I know I need to go to sleep, and also the makeup effects were great in the, at least for that time, for like Nightmare on Elm Street. No, they still are. Yeah, yeah, but like, and also like, uh, Child's Play I was afraid, because I had my buddy, and I had dolls like that, and I was afraid of it, I still don't like clowns. And that's a big reason. Like I said, Tim Curry is, again, you need, like, Robert England and Tim Curry are great actors chosen to play those, uh, chosen to play those roles. Um, even Brad Dourif to play Chucky. Yep. But, like, again, that's his voice. But, like, uh, but there's nothing, even, even the documentary last night, the kid that played Georgie was, like, when it grabs him in the sewers, he's like, Tim, you're scaring me. And this kid's like six or seven, maybe even younger than that. And Tim Curry said he looked at the actor and said, "Well, I guess you don't need to act that much now because the, the, the fear's real." So again, like he like gets really into the role. But like I remember Halloween not scaring me as much as the other films. Um, now, now I think they're now I think Halloween's a much better film now that I understand film more. Yeah. But yeah, um, for some reason the general opinion now is that Bill Skarsgård. It was a better Pennywise than, than Tim Curry, and I disagree with that completely. That's a horrible opinion. Yeah, that, um, I, I put up a poll. Sorry. I put up a poll, um, and everybody voted for Bill Skarsgård, and also I've seen other people put up polls, and Bill Skarsgård always wins landslide. So that's interesting. At least people aren't um, doing the whole original is the best thing for that for that one. People seem to accept that, that the new It is better than the original, but I still like the miniseries better. I'm not saying the new it isn't better than the original. Um, I, I could I could debate someone on that, and I could again someone could change my mind on that. I like the original better, but I. But the new it's a great movie, both to me both parts. Um, but the only part that is nowhere close, Skarsgård is nowhere close as Tim Curry. Like I said, um, yeah, we're in the minority again, though. <laughs> whatever, I'm happy being the minority. Whatever, but like I said, t Tim Curry. Put one of he put a. I'll go as far as saying he put a. What's his name? Uh, freaking. Sons of the Lambs. What's his name again? Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. He put a Anthony Hopkins Hannibal Lecter performance ongoing as Pennywise. Yeah, I agree. And like again, his his he was again his goal was to strike fear into these young actors and it worked but uh again i the thing that i makes me feel more uncomfortable than anything are clowns and that's because of it and i always think when i was in college i was at my friend tara's birthday and her friend juliana who's terrified of clowns as well looked at me and said the reason why she's terrified of clowns is because people aren't supposed to be that happy all the time and it's creepy and, yeah. Yeah. Very creepy. But 
But uh, it, the thing is, is I'm, I'm going to go to Roger Ebert for a second. Roger Ebert, unlike I said how great a movie Halloween is, he wrote, Halloween is an absolute, absolutely merciless thriller. I would compare it to Psycho. Ebert gave it four stars. Um, normally, I disagree with Ebert. I think Ebert is a horrible movie critic. And again, like I think he just likes movies because he thinks that people like him. I, I told, told you before, he's changed his mind on many of his review, reviews before. But I will give him credit on his Halloween review. Yeah, I mean, you just can't deny Halloween. Like, like again, um, those just like Carpenter's directing skills. It's like undeniable. If you're a fan of film, there's nothing you can say bad about Halloween. I've heard him talk some nasty shit about good movies before. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, yeah, so, again, like I said, just, um, I said this movie cost $300,000 to make. It, it made $70 million in the box office. Again, like, the only movie that I can think of that did that well, that, that performed that well on such a low budget, and again, I think it did well because, again, like I said, it's a bunch of young artists that are getting together to make a movie, and they're just having fun doing it, and they're testing out new technology, and again, Carpenter's very creative, and again, it, it's, it, I think it's one of those movies where the actors were just, they were glad to be working, you know? They, 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 they were glad that they had jobs because they were all in their early 20s. But, again, it made 70 million bucks. The only movie that I could think of that did anywhere near that good and much better is The Blair Witch Project. Yeah, like, that was a really When it comes budget. to horror. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, it was 500000 but that was made 20 years later, so that probably was worth about the same amount. But, like, um, but it made almost $250 million. So again, like it, even Evil Dead, we talked about like how great Evil Dead did. Evil Dead wasn't as successful as Halloween, but Blair Witch was. Yeah. Yeah, my absolute favorite part is on uh, John Carpenter's creativity. Um, like, like I said before, um, the parts where the camera is like set up a certain way to like let you know that Michael's in the background somewhere. That's usually when, when um, you're not gonna be able to see him, but it's just hinted that he's there. I like the parts when you actually see Michael in the background because they catch you so off guard um when annie's on the phone with with laurie in the kitchen after she got back out of the oh no she, not, not with laurie she was on the phone with her boyfriend after she got out of the the laundry room um she's like on the phone talking and it's like a regular scene and then um you see her walking and out of nowhere you see michael in the background um and then the, the music comes on and it hits and that, that perfect uh, john carpenter score um that part um just in general michael in the background all the time it's just like the, the coolest thing and I think um, I heard Rob Zombie actually in his remake pay tribute to that pretty well because there's parts in the Rob uh, we'll get to that later when we cover that movie but um, yeah just, just I just want to point out how John Carpenter came up with the whole like uh, seeing him in the background thing um, Rob Zombie later on in his movies put, put Michael in the background but he hit him so well that sometimes people didn't even see it and, and you can't even catch it unless you turn the brightness on on your TV so I think that's a pretty cool element about it. Just um, wondering if, where Michael is and then seeing him for a quick second and then the camera goes back to where it was and he's not there anymore. Um, the, the music hitting at the right time, like this, this whole movie is just like like so atmospheric and just like you, you feel like the, the tension in it and, it's, and that's what John Carpenter does the best is suspense and like making you feel like emerged in like the movie, which is why I like the, the thing so much last week was just the fact that it's like a movie that you just could watch over and over again because of how like comfortable it is. Like it's a crazy 
know, theme about somebody being killed or, or like in the thing, it's like a, an infection or whatever, but somehow it's like a comforting movie just because of the vibe it gives off, like the immersion that you feel. Um, yeah, that's my favorite part about it, just the score and the camera tricks. Talking about Zombie 2, I, I always respect Zombie. First of all, I, I love Rob Zombie's music. I'm not even like heavy music like that. Like He's heavy to me, but I still like it a lot. But um, but when he made those movies, I give him respect because he's a very successful individual. He doesn't need to go around and make horror movies like that, like I said. But he's doing what he's passionate about. And I think it's awesome that he's, he has the same passion that I do. So if, if I was in his shoes, I would love to go and make horror movies too. So again, like... You could love him. You could hate him. You could hate his use of Sherry Moon. You could, uh, <laughs> you, you could, uh, you could knock his movies. Um, I like seventy percent of his movies. So, like again, so like I uh, again, I, I respect Carpenter. I, I respect obviously Carpenter, but I respect Zombie as well. Yeah, yeah I mean uh, his his remake was um, pretty much um, like a, a love letter to John Carpenter too. So. Like me and you have defended the his remake before. Like not, we're not huge fans of it, but we also think it doesn't deserve the hate that it gets. Yeah, it's decent. It's it's not like it's it's it, to me it's better than the Nightmare remake and better than the Friday Thirteenth remake. Oh, for sure. I, th- I thought right, the Friday Thirteenth remake was horrible. Um, Nightmare, hate me or not, like I said, I, I actually enjoyed it a little bit. Like I said, like I would again, um, I would depending on my mood actually. To be honest. Um, this might get people to hate us, but I might watch the new Nightmare over the original, like th- depending on my mood, just because it has like, that modern day feel to it. Bro, like you it's crazy? It. <laughs> it's okay. You, you, you guys hate. Okay. I'm not saying it's a better movie, but there are times when I'm in the mood to watch the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh man. So I'm I'm not saying it's a better movie. I'm not saying that, but um, I do like Rooney Mara. And oh yeah, I love her. It, and I think that Jackie Earl Haley actually did a damn good job playing Freddy Krueger. I think he went in a different direction. And But if you could name me a better character... You, you, you know what's wrong with a lot of Nightmare on Elm Street fans? They're like, oh, if you're going to remake Nightmare on Elm Street, you better have Robert Englund play him again. It's like, no, that's not the way it works. Um, you're going to find someone who... Again, Jackie Earl Haley wasn't trying to be Robert Englund's Freddy Krueger. He was being his own version. And again, like I thought, he did a damn good job. Um, people could argue with me as much as they want. And again, like I, I, I like the cast in the movie. Um, I do like the original one better. But there are times where I'm in the mood to watch it. I, that's not the way I feel about Friday Thirteenth remake. I think that's god awful. But yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'll give it another watch just because of that. Because to be honest, um, it just left a really sour taste in my mouth. I went to see it in theaters because of how excited I was for Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Yeah. And I remember not knowing that Michael Bay produced it. And I was in the theater with my friend. And when the cr- uh, beginning credits come on, it said produced by Michael Bay. And me and him just looked at each other like, oh, no. Like, you know, like <laughs> we've, we've been tricked. Like they, they lured us in with, you know, the, the promise of a new Nightmare on Elm Street remake, whatever. Little did we know it's a Michael Bay project. And... Uh, not to hate on anybody, like, you know, because directing a movie is one crazy, you know, undertaking. So a lot of respect for Michael Bay, but i just never been a fan of Transformers or The Island or any of his over-the-top movies. So when I saw that Michael Bay produced it, I knew what I was in for. And then when it ended, uh, I felt exactly the way I, I expected to feel from a Michael Bay-produced horror remake. Um, yeah, I didn't like it at all. Especially because 
I, I hated the CGI and I hated um, um, the makeup for Freddy. If, if that was even makeup, that could have been CGI also. I feel if you watch it again, you probably won't like it because it's uh, I'm 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 part of the minority. Like yeah. I said, I think like ninety five percent of the people that see that movie hate it. Yeah. But whatever, like I said. But like I, I think said, I don't mind I, being part of the minority. Yeah, but it's not because Michael Bay produced it though. Um, that's just I just think it's funny how I didn't know until I was already at the theater. But um, I think Michael Bay also produced the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, which I really like, and I like, yeah. and I'm gonna get hate for this, so I, I can't even. Um, talk about your opinion because this one's just probably just as controversial i like the 2003 remake better than the original texas chainsaw massacre by tomorrow we're gonna have 50 viewers uh, 50 followers on instagram yeah <laughs> <laughs> we pissed off two huge franchise fans yeah it's okay like i said i'm sure you guys like movies that we don't like yeah but uh that, that's a good thing like again like we're, we're not gonna all like the same things um yeah yeah so but yeah even with that we used to go to um my friend used to have a horror night every night, every Halloween. And we used to go to my, my buddy Joey. We used to go to his house. It was mainly me and his family and like his cousins and stuff. And we would um, we would play drinking games. So with Halloween, I remember one one time we did a Halloween Scream and It Follows, and we watched all three of those movies. And with Halloween, we did a drinking game where you had to take a drink every time they played the theme song, every time you saw a pumpkin, and every time PJ Soul said totally. <laughs> and we we. We we got a little tipsy that night. Yeah. Oh yeah, and um, also you could do a drinking game on the Rob Zombie remake. Um, take a shot every time they say fuck. <laughs> You'll be dead by the end of it. No, but um, especially especially with their father. I yeah. thought the the two my two favorite characters in the Halloween franchise are what's his name? Um, is it Big Joe Grizzly or Mean Joe Grizzly? And 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 the Halloween remake. And he's at the uh, he's at the gas station. And he's taking a shit inside the stall. Yeah. And Michael Myers person, he goes, yeah. He, he's like, yeah. I just had a couple free. I forgot what he said. He's like, I just had a couple burritos. You gotta wait a while, or whatever. And like Michael Myers <laughs> just bursts through. And it's uh, I, I think Ken Forey plays him from um, from Dawn of the Dead and from Leatherface and stuff like that. Ken yeah. Forey was actually the father on Keenan and Cal also. No way. But uh, Roger. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. And then uh. What else? And then, um, also, I love, I guess, three favorite characters. I love Big John and Little John from the last Halloween movie, the two gay guys. Okay, so you're talking about the whole franchise. Yeah, yeah, the whole franchise. Those are my three favorite characters in the whole franchise. Right, mine are Annie, Annie, and Annie. I'm kidding, not. But, um, <laughs> but, um, no, the, the one that you were just talking about, though, the Rob Zombie one, um, I really enjoyed Brad Dorov. As, as Sheriff Brackett. I thought that was a really good casting choice. Yeah, no, no. I, I just remembered that he was in it. I forgot. Yeah. No, but yeah. Uh, all jokes aside, obviously my favorite characters from the whole franchise are uh, Laurie, Annie, and Dr. Loomis, for sure. Dr. Loomis, number one. I like those characters, but I'm not going to lie. I like Little John, Big John, and, uh, <laughs> jo- and Joe Loomis. Grizzly better. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they were funny, though. I liked them a lot. And that scene was... Uh, I, I thought that was a really clever use of um, the Myers house. Um, that years later, it was it was uh, rented out by these two horror enthusiasts, a couple that loves horror movies. and uh, Was yeah. it horror or just antiques in the general, like uh, haunted places? I think they loved horror. Yeah, whatever it was, that's just a really clever use of um, the Michael Myers house. Um, that Later on, it got renovated and then... Uh, you know, brought out by two big fans of, you know, historical stuff like the Michael Myers house. That was pretty cool. One of them, uh, Big John, was, uh, was it Little John or Big John? I forgot which one, but he was, um, 
He was Stuart from Mad TV. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, and then and then even in Halloween in this one, um, I like the connection that that the reason. I mean, we don't really know. Like later on, they try to say that Lori is is her brother, uh, is her uh, his sister, but um, I like that the fact that in this one, the only explanation we get for why he's so fixated on Lori is because her dad is a real estate guy and, and he has her drop off, um, you know, stuff at the Myers house, which is, he's going to sell next. What did he have to do? Drop off the key or something? She had to do something. I forgot what it was, but yeah, you're right. It wasn't until the sequel until they find out that they're brother yeah, and sister. Yeah, so I like how they connected that. Like, um, it's it's really cool how it starts out in a flashback in the 60s or whatever, and then years yep. later the house is abandoned, and it's like you can just imagine, like, throughout the years, um, the stories people made up and stuff. Like, you even see kids going for Halloween, like, trying to scare themselves going going to the house. Um, yeah, I like that, that Lori had to go there because her dad's, like, a real estate guy. Like, just, like, a little detail again. Like, I feel like John Carpenter just didn't overlook anything i love that scene in the movie where like the, the kids go up to the house yes I, I, I forgot what he says but what, what does donald pleasant say he's like, Lon, he's like um oh, fuck, yeah, lonnie forgot. right yeah like lonnie I'll, I'll kill you or something but the yeah something done. like that and the kid gets afraid and runs away and pleasant just has like a little smirk on his yes, face like, like he's I so proud of what he just did <laughs> i love him man like that just is his lines and his fancy talk like like bracket says just like how he how he is, he's just such a funny guy. Like, go tell him that evil's out. Tell him that your little town is in trouble. <laughs> yeah, but he's just kind of walking around like, it's like <laughs> everyone. It's like everyone's a fucking idiot. It's like I don't get. It's it's like nobody gets it. Like, I'm, I'm reading at you. I'm writing down exactly what's going on. I'm shoving it in your face. You're just not getting it. Yes, <laughs> but, and, uh, so. that was one of the best. And, and you know how much I hate jump scares. Um. This movie had a really good jump scare without a sound. There was no loud sound, no loud thump or, or music. Um, when Brackett, after he's done scaring the kids away, and you see Loomis with, with this proud smile of what he just did, uh, Brackett sneaks up behind him and puts his hand on him. Uh, that, that scene actually makes me jump every time. And, and it's, it's not like a doom, like a scene like one of those like annoying jump scares. It's literally yeah. just a hand that reaches for Loomis, and then he turns around, and he gets scared. And then, you know, <laughs> it's just Sheriff Brackett. So, once again, John Carpenter... Is so good that he can even do a jump scare without music, and, and it's still effective. It's no jump scare. He's just putting his hand on him. Yeah, and then ass. seeing like Loomis jump, it's like, oh shit, who is that? Oh no, it's just bracket. Like that—that's an effective yeah. jump scare. That's real. Like you know, you, you get scared with the character, but when they just put yeah. a loud sound, it's like, all right, you forced this to be scared. It's not—it's not the same. Absolutely great. Car- Car- Carpenter, like he—he he knows what's going to terrify people. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the best man. Uh, this movie, um, just like the thing. Like, I want to, like, live in it. Like, minus the whole killer part and, and being in danger. Like, just the, the vibe that this movie gives is just, like, so comfortable. And one of the best parts, and I like to, for, for this reason, I like to watch it at a certain time. Uh, the best part is seeing it, how almost half of the movie is in the daytime and then the rest is in the nighttime. Seeing it turn into night and, like, seeing the, the like, this movie, by the way, flies by. There's no movie that I ever watched that, that flies by as much as this one. Like, it's, it's there's no, like, time wasted. Um... Every scene's important and memorable. Um, yeah, it flies by, and I like to watch it like in the daytime when it's about to turn into night, so that it turns into nighttime at the same time in the movie that it does in, in real life. So, well, they they needed to add like two minutes to the movie or like a, something like that. So what they did was that they had Deborah Hill, uh, the day where Annie and Annie and uh, and about to, I was about to say Nanny, Nancy when Annie and Lori are driving around and. 
Deborah Hill had to add, she actually directed the one scene where they added with them like driving back to the house in the car and they had the, the, the sun setting. So they said that it was good that they had to add that because they needed to add two minutes to the film. So like, let's put that in there and it shows a transition from day yeah, to night. Yeah, that transition is so perfect. And yeah, yeah. it goes with like, um, a, a lot of people have a tradition where they watch this movie every Halloween. Um, it's a perfect movie for that because like that transition part, if you want to watch it at nighttime when it turns into night, and then also, like, um, people have traditions and, and, like, rituals that they do on certain events. Watching this movie, it's, it's like, a ritual. Like, um, when, when you actually see it, it's like, all right, now it's this, uh, start off with the, with the flashback scene. Now we get to know Laurie. Now we get to know uh, Tommy Doyle. Like, every scene is, like, important, and it's, like, part of, like, the tradition of watching Halloween. Like, like every part, it's like, all right, here's this part, here's that part. Like, I don't know if it's from watching it so much over the years, but I just become, like, conditioned to, like, um, you know, this this scene comes next. Now this part, it's like it just transitions so well from scene to scene, and it's just such an easy watch, and it just flies by that it's like the perfect comfort movie to watch. Like, um, not not just any time, because I, like I love this movie. It doesn't have to be Halloween, but it is a perfect movie to watch for Halloween. It's like a, a great celebration of the day. Well, that reminds me of like again, I always go back to music because the one thing I love as much as film is music. It's like when I listen to like one of my favorite albums, one of the first albums I ever bought growing up was Blink-182's Enema of the State. Classic. And it's one of those things where, like, it transitions so well that, oh, like... That's a perfect analogy. I start singing yep. the other song yes. before it starts. And, like, there are times where I'm out and my friend has their iPod shuffle on random, whatever. Uh, iPod. Sorry. Um, their, um, their iPhone, whatever. I'm, I'm old. And, like, they're playing this stuff and, like, I'll just start singing the next song on the album but yeah. it's not going to that song it's going to like a different band now but like it's the same thing like when that, that scene's ending I know the other scene's beginning yes that's exactly that's the best example like a good album um, is structured in a certain way they don't just like alright these are our songs let's put it in the album they, they put them in a specific yeah. order um, you know they, they, they don't want you to go from like something really loud to another really loud song like they'll usually like you know mellow it out like the structure yeah. of this movie is just so perfect um, that it conditions you to like you know expect and, and be excited for certain parts and then like you know it's just just an easy watch yeah 100 uh yeah a couple of interesting facts that, that's actually exactly what? what i was talking about like like the structure of an album yeah now i figure that's where we're headed towards yeah but um uh a couple of interesting facts about this movie um robert england actually worked on the set of this movie really Robert England was the uh, he was a guy that would pick up the leaves and spread them like because they weren't they were filming in California but it's supposed to take place in um, it's it's supposed to take place in I think uh, is it um, Illinois where, where does it take place again Yeah Illinois Illinois right mm -hmm. so it's supposed to take place there but like they're filming in the springtime in California so they had to get all these leaves and spray paint them and Rob, Robert England would run around and start. Again, he would use to spread the leaves. Like every time they bag up the leaves again, spread them in the next location. So he he was that guy. And they also again like that's crazy. Since it was filmed in, you, you could spot palm trees and stuff on location too. Since it was filmed in California. Yeah, that 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 could help with making it relatable to so many people. Like we said before, uh, we like this and scream for the suburb setting because um, we grew up in suburbs. But um, th this this place um, is just probably relatable to so many people because of the fact that. It's a it's a made up town. Haddonfield is made up, and um, it's it's supposed to take place in Illinois, but it's filmed in California, but it's inspired by a town in New Jersey. I heard. 
So it's like it's got like you know influences from all over the place. Like you, you could relate this, if you could relate to this movie. You could probably see like similar architecture if you're from New Jersey, if you're from California or Illinois or from like so many places. It's like really like it's like a blank slate where it takes place. So that that helps a lot, and then the fall setting too. It's almost like The Simpsons. You just don't know a town. You just don't know. You just yeah. don't know what to say. It's a yeah, but it's like where you want it to be, like where you imagine it being. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was only paid eight grand for this movie. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, like uh, she was, she she's in one of my favorite movies of all time. We were talking about like, sure, we do a horror podcast, but I only have a if I had to name my top ten movies of all time, only a couple of them are horror. Like I said, I'm, I'm a big movie guy altogether. Me too. So she's also, Jamie Lee Curtis was actually offered to be in Psycho 2, which is a good movie too. But she uh, it was she decided to do uh, Trading Places, which I think is Trading Places one of my top five movies of all time. Oh wow! And again, like Trading Places was filmed by Jonathan Landis. He was director. He also directed prior to that and two years before that in 1981, American Werewolf in London. So, but like again, Trading Place is amazing with Eddie Murphy and Ackroyd and her. But again, like she, she, uh, that's how she got out of the Scream Queen um, era of her career. She goes like, I can't just keep doing this. So, yeah, I'm glad she did because um, my favorite roles of her are are when she's not in horror movies because I love her in True Lies. True Lies, with, yeah. Yep, with, with um, Bill Paxton, rest in peace. Um, <laughs> Would a secret agent piss himself? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he was the best part of that movie. Uh, um, yeah, that'd be cool if one day maybe we could do a, a non-horror episode. And True Lies would be cool to talk about. But um, yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, I love her also in Freaky Friday with Lindsay Lohan. I thought that was a really good um, PG movie. I actually saw that out east in the movie theater because my mo- my mother took my younger cousins to see it. Yeah, it's a pretty good movie. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's good. I, I I actually like Lindsay Lohan. She's, she's Me too, a little nuts, yeah. but I like her. Yeah, well, you mentioned uh, chick flicks the other the other day. The only chick flicks I like are are Mean Girls and Clueless. Yeah, uh, Clueless is a is a great movie. It's again like it's like a time piece. You watch that, you feel like you're back in the '90s again. Yeah, and it's so well made too. It's like um, just like Halloween. Like you could say it's a chick flick, you dismiss it, whatever. It's not for you. But yeah. if you're a fan of movies, you can't deny that Clueless is a good movie. Yeah, I enjoy. It. I th- I thought again, Alicia Alicia Silverstone yep. is one of those where I talk about actors normally fade out like seven years. Like she was big from like. 1994, 1993, when she was first in those Aerosmith videos, um, Frying and Crazy, till about, uh, I want to say, till like 2002, 2003. And again, she just like died out. But that's what happens to actors. Yeah. But, uh, this was, um, I want to go back to uh, Halloween H2O, because um, I'd say the, the reason I don't like H2O that much is because of what you said um, before with, with, um, how the Friday the 13th movies took the slasher genre and the route that it went with it being all blood and, you know, more and more and more, like, you know, bloodier kills. So then Halloween had to adapt, and that's why it wasn't good. Um, Halloween H2O came out uh, as a response to, to the Scream era, and I, I don't think that works for Halloween. Um, I think when Halloween tries to, like, it's not like Chucky, where it could fit in whatever era. I think Halloween should, well, first of all, I think it should have been a standalone movie. I don't think it ever needed a sequel. But it, if it does get sequels, I don't think Michael Myers and the Halloween story is something that you could really like. Like, all right, now let's make a, a Halloween movie out of the era that we're in now, or, or this era, you know, the teenage era. Uh, H2O was too much of like a, a Kevin Williamson movie without it being enough of a Halloween movie, if that makes any sense. 
So um, in general, I think Halloween sh should just stick to like what made it good in the first one and not worry about what time period it's being released. Um, I think Halloween Kills balanced it pretty well, even though Halloween Kills had a lot of elements of what made the sequels bad. It also had a lot of elements of what made the, the first one good. Like the Michael Myers flashback, I think is a perfect, flawless scene. Like um, I told you, even after watching this movie, and, and I encourage people to do this, it's a pretty good idea. It's a fun thing to do. Right when Halloween 1978 ends, put on Halloween Kills starting in the, in the Haddonfield flashback. And it transitions pretty well because they did such a good job at, at recreating 1978 and the John Carpenter feel that I consider that like the official, like what happened after that movie you know, went off the air or whatever, after it ended. Um, I never liked Halloween 2, and we're going to get into that when we cover that next. But um, yeah, in general, if you're going to make Michael Myers stuff, um, make it John Carpenter-ish, make it dark, make it serious, and um, you know, stick to what made the first one good. Because if you if you try to like make it based on what's popular in right now, like 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 um, may maybe even Rob Zombie made his Halloween as bloody as it was because of the era that that it was in at that time. In 2007, it was right in the middle of the Saw and Hostel and all those movies. So. Um, I think that's always going to set back the Halloween movies. Is it trying to be like what's hot at the moment? So Halloween should always just be um, the way it was in the first one, and keep it at that. I think that's one of the reasons why I love Halloween too. Yeah, because I was going to say like, that's probably yeah because it's like Scream I, and Halloween combined. But yeah, I just don't think and, and, and Williamson's one of my favorite people in film. Uh, again, like I said, with Scream, and I know he did last summer, and The Faculty, and he created Dawson's Creek, which is one of my favorite shows of all time. Um, Again, bringing Michelle Williams into the movie, um, I, th I think that's one of the reasons why I like it so much. The, but, the, uh, uh, Halloween came out first in Star Wars, right? The the, the new Star Wars movies. The the eighty Star Wars. Uh, no, Star Wars came out in nineteen seventy six or seventy seven. Really? Then, uh, then seventy eight. That, that, that's why I said that uh, that Cushing wouldn't make the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, because yeah, I was going to say, right. um, and, and I hate to sound like a broken record, like, oh, they, they got this from this, they got that from that, but um, I was going to say Darth Vader, his loud breathing um, reminded me a lot of, um, of Michael? Michael Myers' breathing. Yeah, I don't think George Lucas has taken anything from anybody. I think George Lucas, as much as I'm not a big Star Wars fan, I think George Lucas has, like, quite an imagination. No, but, uh, I mean, he does, but... The whole Star Wars thing came from uh, Japanese um, lore or something, mm -hmm. like historical, um, like samurais and all that. So he I just basically did like samurais in space. I did not know that. I, I, I like Empire Strikes Back and that's it. Uh, uh, I only like Revenge of the Sith and that's it. I, I, <laughs> I like hate, Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, I'm not, not a Star Wars guy, but Re Revenge of the Sith is, is one of my favorite movies ever. So I tried to sit down and watch them all in order. I couldn't do it. I watched like... Episode one, I watched like the first twenty minutes. I'm like, I can't do this. Yeah, it's boring. But yeah, um, anything else you want to add about the film, Steve? Um, no, yeah, just just um, the fact that that John Carpenter is is just a master at what he does, and if you're a fan of, of film and like directing and all that, um, watch this movie in that perspective, and you'll enjoy it in a whole different way. Because um, you know, it's such a good movie. Um, just enjoying it for what it is is good enough. But um, and I might watch in a commentary like you said you did, uh, with commentary on. But um, this is just like a, a movie that should be shown at like film schools or or to anybody that that wants to make a movie one day, especially a horror movie, because um, every, everything that I, that I think makes a good director is like present here. Um, that's good light work, good good camera work, um, shadows, 
you know, tension building, good music, putting music at the right time, um, things being implied without without showing it to you, kind of like um, like leaving it to the imagination. Like one of my favorite scenes is is when you hear uh, the dog barking in the background, um, and and Annie's like, "Oh, tell the dog to shut up, whatever." It's like you know Michael's out there because you hear the dog barking. So like that that alone is like scary. It's like Annie's like there on the phone, all innocent and oblivious of what's going on. Uh, you hear the dog barking at somebody. Us as the viewers, we know that's oh Michael's out there, just like all the other parts that that implied he's out there. Like those are the best parts. Um, and then the way he kills the dog, I thought was so awesome too. And then again that that John Carpenter score while he's like choking the dog out and like putting him down. Um, j yeah, just putting things together in the right way at the right time, uh, good timing. Uh, everything that that is required to make a good film is present here from beginning to end. Like there's not a bad frame in this movie like it, it's it's a very easy watch it, it flies by because of that because of how entertaining it is because of how little time they waste and how important every part is so yeah just um watch this movie and in, in a, as a, a student of film and you'll enjoy it in a, in a different way than than you usually do but also obviously as a viewer this is this is um the greatest slasher movie ever made uh this and scream are my my top two horror movies ever and yeah, I'll, I'll always enjoy going back to this. I'm really happy we finally covered it. And I, I agree with you that like these characters are so stupid. Like I say, I, I don't get it. Like, how, how do they not know that this dog is there because of Michael? No, <laughs> no I'm just joking. But uh, but yeah, yeah. But uh, so I'm gonna we, at the end of every show, we like I said, we like to recommend a couple movies. Um, movie I'm gonna recommend today is the movie that again. Um, Halloween took a lot from, and they learned a lot from it. While while John Carpenter made the film, he uh, you could see a lot of this work in his film. So I'm going to recommend Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Um, Steve, uh, and I'll, I'll recommend Scream, and and that's pretty obvious why. And yeah, it's it's funny. Um, you recommend Psycho because uh, Psycho paved the way for Halloween, and you know they took inspiration from from Psycho, and then Halloween did the same thing. And Scream was like, you know, a love letter to Halloween. So, yeah, and our viewers could tell us um, who took the torch after Scream. Um, I know as far as slashers, there wasn't really a, a new slasher, but as far as horror movies, uh, I think the timeline is like of like revolutionary movies. Um, when, did, when did Exorcist come out? Exorcist came out in 1973. Yeah. Uh, I get. Leave out, I guess I'll leave out Exorcist, but um, when it comes to slashers, yeah, the, it was Psycho, then Halloween, and then Scream, and um, yeah, I wonder who came after that, but in, in horror movies in general, I think after Scream, the most influential movie was Saw, and uh, you guys could tell us if, if you disagree, or if there was something in between that that was as influential, maybe The Sixth Sense, and uh, who currently has the, the torch of like the, the groundbreaking movie that everybody's going to try to emulate. I think it's Get Out, even though I'm not a big fan of it, but... Yeah, I think Jordan Peele is the, the hot new thing to like copy or like his movie style. And on a side note, I didn't like the, the Twilight Zone uh, remake with Jordan Peele. I did, I saw one episode. I thought it was all right, um, but n not to me, n nothing will ever compare to the original Twilight Zone. Um, but I, I, we, we mentioned Saw. Maybe it was Blair Witch, you know? Oh yeah, Blair, know. oh yeah, oh, found footage. Yep, found yeah. footage was a whole big thing, and then that was because the Blair Witch Project. Oh, we got paranormal yeah. activity after and all that, yeah. 100%. All right, guys. So, again, thanks for listening. Next week, we'll be doing uh, Halloween 2. And, again, we're looking forward to that. Um, again, so we jump into the sequels next week. So, remember to be afraid, guys. Thanks.
Thank you, guys. Also, let us know what's more controversial, saying Texas Chainsaw Massacre Remake is better than the original or Nightmare on Elm Street Remake is better than the original. Yeah, who's wrong? Who's wrong? Yeah. <laughs>